Show. As you know, my guest today has been somebody that I have recommended all of his documentaries. He is one of the best uh, dot connectors and documentary filmmakers of our time. And he has also predicted many things that are popping off in the news right now in great detail with excellent research. And I'm honored to welcome back Joel Gilbert to the show. Thank you for joining me, sir. Great to be back. Thanks, Mel. Thank you. Um, so we uh, right when um, I think just before Michelle 2024 came out, you came on the show. We talked about your journey. I had met you uh, years before because of the Trayvon Martin uh, Trayvon hoax, which is still as relevant today for everyone to see that is not because that's one of the many spokes that you shined light on as a documentary filmmaker. And it's, you know, it's just evolved more and more since then. But um, you had come on the show and you had been working on it for several years. You believed inside that Michelle Obama would end up being the nominee in this round. And I believe that's becoming more and more obvious. When you started the journey, which was three years ago, into uh, looking into Michelle, what was your gut feeling that made you think, I got to go dig into Michelle Obama, something's going on here? Well, I knew Michelle was a political activist. Uh, she was from a political family. Her father was a precinct captain in Chicago. She grew up with a dad who was a politician. I also knew that she grew up in Jesse Jackson's house. She was best friend with his daughter, Santita, when she was running, uh, when Jackson was running for president. So I knew that uh, Michelle had politics in her blood. She married a politician. You know, she married her father. And she was actually a better speaker and a better politician than Barack was all that time. So I just felt that uh, watching her behavior as soon as uh, Trump went out of office and I saw that she was pretty much emulating everything that Barack did before he became president. Barack was the keynote speaker for John Kerry, introduced him at the Democrat National Convention in 2004. Sure enough, there was Michelle introducing Joe Biden in 2020. Barack wrote two autobiographies, Dreams from My Father and The Audacity of Hope. Michelle set out to write two autobiographies, Becoming and The Light We Carry. And then uh, the most important, Barack had a uh, voter registration organization in Chicago called Project Vote that kind of set up his street cred to run for president. Sure enough, Michelle founded something called When We All Vote, and she got 26 million bucks from the George Soros people to register voters. So I just saw all these trends. I thought it was pretty obvious she was going to run for president. And I set out to... Uh, you know, make the film and book Michelle Obama 2024 to tell her real life story. Yeah. And if anyone hasn't seen this to this point, it is imperative that you do, because we just saw Michelle Obama in an interview this past weekend uh, where she was saying she couldn't imagine the horror of Trump winning again. She's very, right. very scared. And you know what? I, I laughed because remember you said she'll always oh, she'll start wearing braids and making yeah. herself very, very like one of one of the, the people that she's talking to and really paint a picture of herself that is totally the opposite of who she really is. So I want to dig into a little bit of who she really is on this show. And if you have not seen uh, there'll be a link below. If you have not seen Michelle 2024, it actually is your duty to see this before they start rolling out the PR on a massive scale. So just let's talk a little bit about her political background. Because she worked for Daly, probably the most corrupt of all administrations in any city ever, uh, under Valerie Jarrett, I believe, in the beginning of her career. 
Right. It was Michelle, actually, that got all the political connections for Barack. She got a job working for the mayor of Chicago, Richard Daly. She was the assistant planning commissioner, and she's the one that met Tony Resco. She's the one that met Valerie Jarrett and introduced them all to Barack for his uh, state Senate campaign. Uh, so Michelle is a natural in politics. Her uncle was a, a politician. Her father was a politician. It just comes very naturally. So uh, what I do chronicle is Michelle's uh, terrible relationship with the black community. And that's why she wears braids for the first time in her life to try to act like, well, I'm just one of you folks and America couldn't handle it. She said, if I wore braids in the White House, that's why she talks in a phony urban accent when she right. speaks to black audiences. She wants them to think I'm just one of you ordinary black folks and I suffered discrimination growing up. Give me the power, give me your votes. In fact, it's a very different story. Michelle was the black face of white flight growing up. Her and her brother refused to study with other black kids, even though they had an excellent elementary and South Shore High School one block from their house. It was a good school, but it was all black. So they went an hour away, an hour and a half to study at a private Catholic school and Michelle at a magnet school. And they didn't have any black friends. Michelle even writes in her book about getting beat up by the black kids. They accused her of acting white and talking white because she didn't have any black friends. She talks about a girl named Dee Dee who beat her up because she called her an Oreo, meaning it's a racial insult, meaning you're black on the outside, but you're really white on the inside. So Michelle, in her professional career, she got her revenge on the black community uh, by exploiting them. The first job she had was the assistant planning commissioner working with Valerie Jarrett. And Michelle's job was to kick 20,000 black people out of their homes in the projects at Cabrini Green and other projects because the white liberals wanted the land to give it away to their donors like Tony Resco. So whenever white liberals had problems with black people and they couldn't hire a white person to exploit them, they would hire Michelle and she would do all the exploiting needed. So Michelle made 20,000 blacks homeless and said, it's going to be good for you. Right. Same thing, University of Chicago Medical Center. Michelle headed up something called the Southside Health Collaborative. And what the problem is that they had too many blacks were showing up at the emergency room at the University of Chicago Medical Center, and they didn't have good insurance. So Michelle's job was to kick them out, put them in these white vans and ship them back to the Southside and dump them in these crappy clinics. It was called patient dumping and it was illegal. When Michelle's father got sick, she put him in the University of Chicago Medical Center, an excellent facility. She didn't dump him in a in a crappy clinic in a strip mall. Right. Uh, but Michelle made millions of dollars exploiting the black community uh, to deny them access to health care. So Michelle's public story as a politician, you know, promoting Barack and now is I'm just one of these ordinary black folks. And right. I, I hate suffer politics. discrimination. I hate politics. I, hate I, I just want a garden. And yeah, I noticed she was thing, wearing but... also a sweatshirt because something else that's in your movie, because you show it, is she was like Oprah when it comes to fashion and style and vacations. She was not some kind of, a, you know, pulling up from her bootstraps. She lived a very outwardly uh, affluent life, it appeared to me. Yeah, she was uh, going to all the uh, the Miracle Mile, all the fashionista right. type of things in Chicago, Ikram Goldman. Uh, Maria Pinto, all the big designers. I talked to Michelle's celebrity hairdresser named Michael Ronnie Flowers. She had a celebrity hairdresser from age 18. And Michelle was on the best international best dress list for Vanity Fair in 2005 when Barack was a senator. But when she showed up on the campaign trail, you can see it in my movie for Barack in 2008, 
she shows up looking like a homeless person. She wears an old sweater. She doesn't comb her hair. She can't show up on the campaign trail and say, hey, I'm another elite Harvard lawyer like my husband. Right. She comes and pretends to be some Southern black housewife uh, to get and manipulate minority and black voters to get power. Of course, when they got into the White House, Michelle went back to being this big fashionista, all the magazine covers, and they did nothing for the black community. Everything got worse. And uh, everything got worse for everyone. They, they made, Everyone, they made well, racial tension. They took it back to pre-Martin Luther King, basically, at this point, And they're still in there. And I, it's funny. I noticed she was wearing a sweatshirt uh, in her interview where she said that she was so worried about Donald Trump possibly getting back into office. And it, it kept her up at night. Um, totally. The braids, the sweatshirt. Like, I'm just I'm just, you know, I'm just like one of you. And, and it's not true. And it's very dangerous because the other thing that we have to remember here, I, I've been calling it the Poison Ivy League for years, but uh, there is an ilk of people that are actual domestic terrorists that instead of being domestic terrorists, I feel we're uh, infiltrated, not just higher education, but many other places uh, led by a lot of the people that were involved in the weather underground. Now that's Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. Her relationship with them, it seems, was even stronger, if not similar, to her husband's and her ideology also seems to have come out of that group, which I believe are part and parcel of what's happened to our education system in America is the people that came out of that were spawned by that uh, that group. And also you talk about Franklin Marshall Davis. So talk a little bit about that whole situation. Yeah, people remember Michelle showed up on the campaign trail in 2008 making these nasty anti-American speeches. Nobody really understood it or where did it come from? She said, you can't buy food in this country. You can't pay your mortgage. You can't afford health care. Don't get sick in this country. Not here. Of course, she went over the top one day and said, I'm, for the first time in my life, I'm proud of my country because Barack won a, won a primary. But Michelle was so nasty and anti-American, people kind of didn't understand it. And in my film, and it's also a book, by the way, you can watch it on SalemNow.com. You can live stream or get the DVD. It's also on Amazon Prime Video. The oh, book's great. on Amazon as well. But Michelle was uh, friends with Bernadine Dorn, one of the heads of the Weather Underground, and really the brains behind it. She worked with her for two years at the Sidley Austin law firm. And Michelle and Barack would go to the home of Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn for dinner once a week for years, all the way until he ran for U.S. Senate. So the influence is obvious. I even traced the fact that Bernadine Dorn had something she called the politics of fear. And it's this theory from the 60s that all Americans were all afraid of each other. Right. And we, we fear each other so much, all of the public policy comes out of this fear. And Michelle quoted her word for word. So you can't uh, overstate the influence that these domestic terrorists had on uh, US policy through their relationship with the Obamas. Yeah, and they still do, because I have a friend that infiltrated the Socialists of America conference. There was 800 people there that showed up. And I'm talking about I already warned about the Democratic Socialists of America. These people are left of them. And at this event, my friend went to um, Bill Ayers was the was the keynote. Uh, the yeah. hero there was Angela Davis. And um, basically, they got on stage to, to open up the thing with this this radical socialist person who's running our libraries for our kids around the world, a country that was like the, the MC in the beginning. And she asked that room, how many people here are educators? And like 90% of the hands went up. So we have a giant problem because those are the people that are training the people that are training our children to become activists like them. 
And there's not been enough attention put on it. And I believe Barack and Michelle Obama are very much involved in that entire what's happening to our education system. I believe that they are involved in that. Well, she said two things in that interview that she did that was released a few days ago uh, that were pretty interesting. She said uh, people think that the government doesn't do everything, but oh, the government does everything for us. What? Second thing oh. she said, then she said the trickle down economy just doesn't work. Now, both of these statements are flawed. Uh, the trickle down economy, that's a, a euphemism for capitalism and free right. markets. That's and the uh, saying that the government does everything, these are uh, justifications for socialism and communism. Right. Socialists and communists believe that the government is everything. You have to give all your property to the government. The government will make all the economic decisions and tell you how to behave and how to act. And they'll also control the economy because it doesn't work without them. So Michelle, you know, grew up under the influence of these radical 60s uh, yeah. uh, communists, and uh, they were murderers. They were killers. Yep. Bernadine Dorn credibly accused of murdering a policeman. Bill Ayers, his organization bombed uh, police stations. And uh, many of them. And Rosenberg got pardoned and then was running Black Lives Matter. <laughs> like, I mean, the, right. the financial side of it. So, I mean, these people are fully embedded in, in everything that's going on. And what you're talking about now is important because I saw the 15 year anniversary of something else you talk about in there. The uh, this monstrosity uh, temple, it appears they're building in Chicago for the Obama Foundation, which is right now, I, I, I believe, run by Valerie Jarrett. But they had their 15th anniversary of um of pumping out Obama's citizen army basically the the trainees and they're they're uh celebrating that and he started he dropped in something that has been on my radar which I believe is along the lines of what she's saying he started saying capitalism doesn't work we're going to change to something called inclusive capitalism I believe inclusive capitalism is straight up socialism but they but they keep wording it in ways and and that's another thing that you get into in in all of your documentaries was their use of language to deceive people into believing that something that they're saying is not what they're saying. And, and, and I see that yeah. with Michelle a lot. Givaderm is a luxurious, toxin-free skincare that actually works. Not only do we take the toxins out, we put the most powerful nutrients in. All of our products are an effective way to detoxify, replenish, and protect your skin. Our toxin-free, natural ingredients provide real results without compromising your skin's health. Unlock the secret to beautiful, healthy skin using this synergistic skincare system. It's never too late or too early to begin living a more beautiful life with Givaderm. Natural, healthy skin. Head over to the MelKShow.com partners page and get a 10% discount now. Yeah, I trace it all the way back to, you know, the 30s uh, when the American Communist Party actually started in Chicago in the 20s. But from the 1930s, uh, socialists and communists knew that Americans would never buy into this socialist nonsense, that you got to give the government all your property and they're going to control your lives and everybody has to think alike and look alike and dress alike. They knew no one would ever buy into it. So they always came up with... Uh, a cause that was their front cause. In the 30s, it was anti-war. We don't want to get into World War II. Uh, in the 60s, it became anti-draft. We're just against the draft. We're against the war in Vietnam. Well, what else do you want to do? We want to overthrow the government and replace it with the Communist Manifesto. And so then it became really in the 80s when Obama was very politically active, 
the front cause of the socialists was anti-racism. We're just against racism. That's, you know, and then of course, Black Lives Matter. The idea was, well, we're just, we just think Black Lives Matter. Everybody agrees with that. But when you look at their website, it's all Marxist and socialist and communist ideology straight out of the weather underground. So they always have a front cause and Obama is still at it. We just want equality. We want equity. We want inclusive capitalism. These are all uh, fake ideas that hide the fact that they want communism in America. Yeah, and the crazy part about all these kids that have been raised and in, in, uh, pumped out of these uh, totally captured institutions is they have no idea what's going on in the world on a, on a larger scale. They're not getting taught history as it was. They're not, they're, they're training activists. You know, I went to, I got my uh, degree at NYU in journalism and I went back to look at, first of all, I would have been kicked out within two weeks if it was today. And second, this is in the nineties. And second, I go to look and they have full on classes in fighting misinformation in, in, you know, in, in fact checking, you know, in, in the college yeah. level journalism. I mean, this is what's happening. Certainly the, the Columbia uh, school of journalism, but I also hear the Columbia school of education. A lot of this stuff is pumping out of those. And then th those people go, and then they run the departments at other colleges that are not on that level. And then it just has been spreading for all this time. And we really have to be aware of that in infiltration and in education. But another thing that people might not know, Joel has made, uh, documentaries on many, many subjects that are some of the best you could possibly get. When people ask me about red pill documentaries, I often suggest his documentaries. But what people might not know is that he really dug into what's going on in the Middle East uh, in, in two or uh, I think maybe two or three of your projects. And one thing that I, I want to ask you, because now we have, and I know it's funded by the same people as Black Lives Matter, Tides and Arabelle and all that. But these uprisings with ceasefire now going on all over the country, um, there's been evidence also that these people have also been paid, a lot of these people that are protesting, you know. But um, I keep saying, who are they asking for a ceasefire from? Because I don't, you know, it's not, it, 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 this is all very manufactured. And then they're they're also aligning the LGBTQ and the BLM with the ceasefire now, folks. So what are you seeing when you're seeing this, obviously manufactured narrative that's happening and then how they they've erupted it into a black lives matter movement uh, about three things here uh, first of all of course ceasefire now is just a way to appeal to humanitarian sentiments we don't want anybody to be hurt let's just have a ceasefire well their real goal is to defeat israel and prevent israel from defending itself now i see really since obama came into office in 2008 now that's already about 16 years ago 15 16 years ago Obama put in a policy to emphasize immigration into the US from Muslim countries. And that since then we've had a high uh, population growth of radical Islamic uh, populations in various cities around the country, such that when an issue comes out politically in the Middle East, they can mobilize millions of people to, to march uh, for any particular cause. So I think that's a reflection of Obama's policies and how he wanted to fundamentally transform America away from a you know, Judeo-Christian ethic to one that was third world and Middle Eastern and Islamic as well. And that's, so this ceasefire now movement is a uh, result of Obama's policies to increase the Muslim population, as is Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and so much more influence we have from, from Muslim groups. Uh, as far as 
you know, where this is going. I think it's uh, it's not going to get any better unless the U.S. changes its immigration policies. We'll be under continued pressure to capitulate to these radical movements in the Middle East. Yeah. Yeah. And radical movements in general, because the biggest uh, issue right now and, and you get into this in the Trayvon hoax, which, again, I this opened my eyes. I still cannot believe that Crump's out there and that they act like nothing happened and that all the fact checkers yeah. jumped on this when it's so clear and you prove it in your in your documentary about it, what this was about. But again, we still have the situation. So we have the ceasefire now. And you you break down the Soros backing there, Eric Holder, kind of that they were waiting for this opportunity. So I don't know if you saw, I, I do know you saw it, but I don't know if everyone out there saw this documentary called The Fall of Minneapolis. But I would yeah. say that watching your documentary, The Trayvon Hoax, and then watching that documentary, it's so eye-opening that this is a, a long game strategy that hasn't changed so much. So when you saw, um, you knew all along, you reported right away on the George Floyd incident. Um, but these seem to be not only the same people, but the same playbook to divide us from within. And again, the rhetoric of Joe Biden just this past week in his speech, where he basically said, you know, 100 million people in America are evil. They're terrorists. They're domestic terrorists. The MAGA movement, they... they mm -hmm. I mean, it was so vile and vicious. So it's the same cycle you've been tracing through all of this. Yeah, I'll point out these are really two bookends, the Trayvon Martin case and the George Floyd case, where you had a political narrative. You had operatives like Ben Crump and uh, Al Sharpton come on the scene and promote a, a media narrative that the media went with. And uh, by the way, what is Black Lives Matter and where did it come from? It, it was started in Florida. It was actually simply an offshoot and rebranding of an organization in Florida called Dream Defenders. You can look that up. And that was a Marxist uh, Palestinian American organization that called for the communist overthrow of the United States and still does. They were connected to the PFLP, the Palestinian Front for the Liberation of Palestine terror group. And when uh, the Zimmerman case happened and Zimmerman was acquitted, they simply rebranded themselves under the very acceptable name Black Lives Matter with the very same agenda. And their goal was to teach intifada to American youth, particularly to radicalize Black youth uh, under this ideology. So the Black Lives Matter was and is a very radical extreme group that eventually a couple of years ago changed their website not to have the, the Marxist origins, but it was very, very similar to the weather underground terrorist movement from the 60s. And the George Floyd case was simply the kind of the about, you know, seven, eight years later, nine years later, it was the completion of this effort for really a cultural revolution to change America uh, with all this, uh, all the political agendas that come with it, the DEI stuff. I mean, you cannot even turn on a game like uh, TV, watch the NFL, a football game, which is a very kind of masculine uh based yeah. effort and in the end zone they have stop racism it takes all of us they're they adopted out of fear fear of this uh cultural revolution that they have to adopt these anti-racist messages yeah 
But it's so dangerous. But I honestly believe that at this point, it's starting to truly backfire because the fruits of the labor of all that they've done are proving to be not only dangerous, but very bad for our country. I mean, as as we expose more and more of the DEI that came in with the George Floyd of hiring uh, not just pilots, but doctors and lawyers and, and you know, uh, university presidents and all of this, what we are seeing is a rotting out of America, America's greatness, America's exceptionalism, all the things that we want America to be, or even our potential, our future potential is being openly destroyed by a movement that you tracked that I believe spawned all of this. And yet I don't see, an, I see a little pushback, but I don't see enough or or much do you do you feel that it's getting to a boiling point i am seeing people out it like on my show on wednesday i went through this whole johns hopkins diversity equity inclusion head and johns hopkins has their fingers in the military industrial complex the medical complex the pharmaceutical complex so much and sent out this entire thing on on you know checking your privilege and like lay, laying out like white men able bodied people i mean it was so ludicrous and off the charts we're watching this with it being exposed with the um airlines of course but if you go on the you know bar association website or the me- me- american medical association website or any of these places that you know this should not be political at all certainly shouldn't be about race or gender um what do you think that is going on? And where do you think this is headed? Okay, look, from the point of view of the left, this is a battle for uh, dominance. And they've identified many years ago the traditional America, a two-parent family that goes to church and has a good job and can support themselves with, with one income, are their enemies. Because they believe that those that middle-class traditional America is what supports the capitalist system. It supports the U.S. government. Therefore, that lifestyle are, is the enemy of the leftist goals. So they seek to destroy that nuclear family, that tradition, that way of thinking, and the income behind it that can support the system. So all these things that you see, DEI, uh, all these different excuses, massive immigration from uh, Muslim countries, open borders, it's all meant to undermine the foundation of what makes America, America, so that they can implement this leftist strategy that no one would support, no one would vote for, because it is so ludicrous. And uh, they seem to be, certainly you can look back since 2008, we're 2023, except for the four years of Donald Trump, where they waged complete war against him and his administration and his policies to prevent them from being implemented. And his and voters snap- with, with censorship. His- Look at what happened to you. <laughs> I mean, the censorship thing, that was a that was a tactic too, to, to demoralize and to, you know, demonize Trump voters. Yeah, the elimination of the First Amendment, the prosecution yeah. of January 6th protesters, uh, kicking my movie, uh, Trayvon Hooks got kicked off of Vimeo I- after 10,000 views. The censorship, it's all part of the war in their minds against what makes uh, America great. And that's why the phrase make America great again is so offensive to them because they have a completely different agenda that has that is anti-American and they want to undermine, attack and neutralize anyone who supports what is traditional America that made it a great country. Yeah, you know, I got some information. I've I've talked about it on the show. I had a couple people on whistleblowers and stuff that it's it's the same money and the same group that you've been tracing, but that there is a uh, a kind of planned uprising up uh, up coming in our in 2024. I call the year of chaos 
demand citizenship has been being sent around and promoted inside the NGOs uh, that are facilitating the trafficking at the border and all over our country and sending people in planes and buses uh, to everywhere in America. And they've been reaching out to them. Uh, some people, have, uh, there's different NGOs doing this. Some of them are these NGOs funded by George Soros, some by the UN, uh, and uh, certainly the, the billionaire oligarchy that runs Tides Foundation and other groups are checking in with all of these illegals to see if they're getting what they believe they deserved. And uh, they're they're organizing and they're sending in their same operatives that have worked on all these campaigns. And so I do believe that they they are setting up for some kind of uh, uprising that will be something to do with uh, demanding either citizenship or full asylum for everyone that is here before 2024. So we have a, a lot of things coming up that you have already exposed for what they are. I wonder if the American people are awake enough to not fall for it again, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, I don't know what we, we can do about it. For instance, here in California, illegal aliens can get driver's licenses. And guess what? When you register for a driver's license, they automatically register you to vote. And then they mail out ballots. Everyone who is registered to vote gets a ballot in the mail. And there's thousands of drop boxes all over the place. So anybody can fill out a ballot and throw it in a drop box. There's no way to know who did. There's no voter ID. Um, there's no way to audit the election afterwards. So that's the end of democracy right there. I mean, we have an immigration system. The Democrats have been saying for years it's it's broken. Therefore, it's okay to to raid the to to jump the border. But we have a very good system. If you want to immigrate to the United States, you go to the local U.S. embassy in your country, in Mexico City or in, you know, in uh, Damascus, wherever it wherever. is, yeah. and you apply and you fill out an application and you wait. And depending on, you know, who we're letting in and how many and your background and your security clearance and your job, if you can support yourself, you may or may not get approved to immigrate to America. So the idea that you can just jump the border, get a driver's license and be automatically registered to vote undermines the complete uh, integrity of the election system. And it's just growing and growing. And I think it's going to be very difficult uh, to overcome it uh, in electoral politics. And even in 2024, can it really be overcome given the fact that after an election is over, the media won't report any irregularities. You go to jail. If you ask about it, you can be arrested yeah. and, and you're taking your law license away at this point. So well, they they've made, set they made it that up. Clear. Yeah. And the courts, the courts are afraid to look at it. The courts are afraid to right. touch it. So that is a lot of incentive for massive voter fraud. And that's why I make the case that um, Joe Biden is not really not a plausible candidate. If he wins on election night, no one's going to believe it. There'll be a lot of problems. But if right. Michelle Obama is the candidate, and she wins, you'd say, well, she's so popular, I guess that's possible, you wouldn't question it. So Michelle brings a plausibility to the equation as well as so many other things. And they're both, both Michelle and, and Barack and their surrogates that are obvious who they are, uh, they've been talking about that they don't think he can win. So why would they be saying that if they know that there's going to be a change of batter because they've worked so hard to destroy America from within since the early 2000s? They're not giving up now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I also you talked about my film uh, Dreams from My Real Father. I'm pretty well known for that from 2012. Oh, that's great. I, you know, I made the case that Barack was no question. He was raised in Hawaii by Frank Marshall Davis, who was a Soviet agent, Communist Party member. 
and spent uh, several days a week with him and really wanted to emulate him throughout his life uh, in terms of being a writer and followed that ideological foundation that he got from Frank Marshall Davis. Now I make the case that Davis was his actually his biological father, right. that the Kenyan student was kind of a cover up for an affair that his mother had with Frank Marshall Davis. But Obama looks just like Frank Marshall Davis and nothing like the Kenyan Obamas, who Obama completely disowned once he you know, went into the White House. And that the influence of this communist uh, on, on Obama was huge. Uh, so Obama really is what we call a red diaper baby, the child of a communist party member. Yeah. as was David Axelrod. Both his parents were communist journalists. Right. Valerie Jarrett, her father-in-law, Vernon Jarrett, member of the Communist Party in Chicago. So we had during the eight Obama years, uh, red diaper babies running the country. And I believe they still want to get back into the White House. Yeah, well, many of them are there. What's a little disturbing is I was, uh, I'm doing with my friend Noor Ben Laden uh, live from Davos next week, uh, Monday to, to Friday. She's there in person. She lives in Switzerland. So she's going to the event, got a press pass. She's going to go in and then come report on here. I noticed that the for one of the first panels is what to do about America. And this is a globalist organization that is behind Agenda 2030 and is really pushing for this global governance. They, they've, you know, as you, you've said in many of your projects, but also they've created global problems that can only be solved by a global solution. And of course, them and their international banking cartel friends are the ones to do it. But what's scary to me is that the people that are going to Davos this week, representing America, so to speak, are... Um, the ones that are highlighted are Samantha Power, Blinken, uh, Sullivan, Newland, um, uh, Avril Haines, and um, Chris Ray. Uh, there's a bunch of other people, but those are like the featured Americans coming. Obviously, Kerry and all the climate people are going. And when I look at all of those people, those are all Obama people. Okay, those are all Obama people. Those are the people that worked at West Exec during uh, during Trump's um, years. I believe still running the Obama uh, plan uh, in full in full view, without most Americans realizing that they were going ahead. What do you make of these people right in front of our faces at this time when we're also in multiple theaters of war, going to a globalist event in Davos? Uh, to talk about the future of America with a bunch of people who believe that there should be no nation states. Well, look, Obama shares their belief system, and these minions of his that are going also share that. Uh, it goes back to the bigger picture of post-World War II. The United States was the number one uh, country in the world, the number one problem solver, the number one enforcer, the number one economic power. The dollar was and still is the international exchange currency. So there are trillions at stake, and there are certain power centers around the world, China, Russia, and others, that would love for America to abdicate its role as the leader and economic powerhouse of the world so that they can be the leaders and powerhouse of the world and obtain many of the trillions of dollars of trade and control trade and control outcomes. So to do that, they need America to be weakened, to abdicate its role, and to be willing to do so. And they have allied themselves with leftists in America that have the same goal and outcome, yeah. but the outcome is going to be disaster. I, I would make the analogy to what happened in Israel. Uh, in Israel, there was relative peace and quiet in Gaza and the West Bank. The Israeli leftists uh, aligned themselves with American leftists and European leftists, and they did something called the Oslo Accords, 
whereby the idea was if we bring terrorist groups into Israel, peace in the Middle East is going to break out. And that's why I made those two films, one called Farewell Israel, Bush, Iran, and the Revolt of Islam. By putting terror organizations into Gaza and the West Bank, it brought terror. And it led to this big war that is now broken out and all the suffering and dying on, really on both sides because of the uh, alignment of leftist politicians with international leftists who implement policies that are detrimental to the country to begin with. So that's what that's what's in store for America is a continued decline economically and militarily. And we have a group called the Democrat Party that are now far left socialists that agree with that agenda. Yeah. And what's what's interesting about you, Farewell Israel, just like the Trayvon hoax, just like uh, I, I haven't heard this uh, said about Michelle 2024, but you happen to be not just an extraordinary filmmaker, as a filmmaker myself, the, the films are extraordinarily well done, your research and everything, but you happen to go and dig into topics that people, well before they become very important for people to understand, because that Farewell Israel, how long ago was that, that you made that movie? Well, that's 2007, and uh, I think it's you know playing itself out still today. Exactly. It's so crazy to me, and, and another, and, and it, the Trayvon thing too, that is exactly what happened with George Floyd is exactly what you laid out in that. And now, you know, we're watching this. Another a documentary that you did that's uh, fascinating and, and other work that you did was you were on the campaign trail uh, with um, Ted Cruz during Correct. the 2015, 2016 run up to that election. So you kind of got an inner inside baseball. Uh, you totally got an inside baseball look at not just the RNC and the GOP, but the entire uniparty, as I call it. Um, let me ask you a little bit about that and what you see in yeah. front of us right now playing out with the GOP and RNC. First of all, I think that both the RNC and DNC are on the same team. I think they want to keep the status quo. But you had an inside view not that long ago, and I wonder what you what you see right now playing out. Well, the there is a difference between the DNC and the RNC. Uh, when a radical leftist group came out of Chicago that were far left Marxists, the Democrat Party embraced them and made them the leaders of their party. When the Tea Party, a, a group that was against pretty much uh, was born out of concern over uh, the budget and the deficit and finances, but a very conservative grassroots movement kind of emerged in the country and wanted as part of the, the Republican Party, the Republican Party rejected the Tea Party and assisted the Democrats in decimating it so that the establishment cronies could stay in charge. Uh, Donald Trump, you know, some eight years later, kind of upended that and, and started kind of rebranded the Tea Party as the Make America Great Again movement. Uh, but certainly there are powers that uh, represent certain candidates and want to push certain candidates into each uh, party. On the Democrat side, though, it's pretty much accepted and wide open that it'll be the far left agenda. Yes. You know, Joe Biden is pursuing the, the Bernie Sanders agenda. It's the Bernie Sanders presidency. I mean, just today he forgave more student loans. That was part of the communist agenda of Bernie Sanders, just like in Soviet Russia. Education is free. You don't have to pay for it. Healthcare is a right. Housing is a right. That's where in communism, everybody gets everything for free, but everybody is dirt poor. Right. And you all look alike, sound alike, and live live miserably. Right. So, but Biden is simply a, a, a front man and a stooge for the far left uh, agenda. He's implementing it uh, with that facade. 
On the Republican side, you do still have these establishment type forces that are pushing Nikki Haley and DeSantis against Trump. And uh, it remains to be seen if, if Trump will emerge and, and if he has a chance. But there, there's a lot of different power centers on the Republican side that are pushing an agenda. And uh, so far, Trump has remained above it. Yeah, somehow. And, and I think that that really goes more to everything else we're talking about, which is I believe that left of center, right of center, probably 15 percent on each side, think the entire system is broken, that it's corrupt. They don't even recognize they might have to play the game of picking a party in order to participate, but they don't feel good about it. And they don't feel, you know, that's what I get more than anything else. It's like I, I'm going to this Republican event or this conservative event, but I don't identify like I, I'm, I'm just as upset with them as everyone else because it's nonstop. It, I just feel like the entire government of the United States is fully captured by this globalist oligarch public private partnership that wants world communism, world totalitarianism. Well, well. Well, it Thank remains you. to be seen. Look, it remains to be seen if Trump can overcome it in a second term. He may have to spend, if he gets a second term, he may have to spend four years just trying to repair the damage that, right. that Biden did and never really get to do anything. Don't forget Trump's first term. He was under assault the entire time right. with the, uh, the, the Russia investigation, different chiefs of staff, different people trying to influence him, warn him, investigate him. So uh, the, those power sources are out there and it remains to be seen if if Trump can hire the right people, he's really good at firing people, but he really wasn't good at hiring people into his administration that would carry out his agenda. Yeah. So it remains to be seen, even if he's elected, what he could actually accomplish. Yeah, I think I mean, I, I definitely see that he will be the nominee. I'm just very I, I've never seen I mean, the whole world is watching the persecution of Donald Trump. It, it is so egregious and outrageous. I don't even care. It's shocking to me, but not the people on the left, even people that I know that have good jobs and they're educated and all that and, and really understand history and politics and finance in Manhattan, people that work at the Goldman Sachs and places, they want Trump in jail. They don't care that he didn't do anything or any of that. Yeah. They're, they're so, and the, these are these are the, the elitists that well, they look, want the, that. Yeah, look, the government, the Biden administration, the DOJ, FBI, they're all certainly acting like they'll do whatever they want and there's nothing anybody can do about it. That's yeah. how they're acting. So it just makes you wonder if they don't know that they can control the outcome of the 2024 election. I just hope that enough American people realize that we aren't each other's enemy, that we actually have an enemy and it's not each other, you know, because this idea, because they're going to, they keep dividing and dividing and dividing. But I think that well, they're overplaying their hand. When you see the Chicago black community come out and do a press conference about the illegal immigrants, or you see no. legal immigrants coming out in, in Texas and being like, no more, you know, these are groups that weren't Trump people and, and maybe they will be this time. And maybe that would, that is the only way that we can, um, you know, overcome whatever they have planned for the cheating situation. Well, I think that's where the Michelle Obama candidacy just makes so much sense for them. And I think she's postured herself and positioned herself to become a candidate. I don't know how it'll come down. I think Biden will be impeached by the house. He may have to pardon Hunter, his, uh, Poll numbers are worse and worse, and the the down ballot Democrats want him gone because they're afraid he'll he'll drag down the ticket. So Michelle, they can create a facade that the black community is going to rally around her, and you know she's going to appeal to nostalgia and say, "Remember how much you love the Obama years? And we didn't have any scandals, and uh, you know I, I had a great life. I really didn't want to do this, but I want to bring us all together again." So I think it's coming. I think. Uh, 
you know, Biden will drop out for whatever reason uh, in the spring or early summer. And we'll see Michelle uh, barnstorm the country. She can yeah. draw massive crowds to stadiums and give great speeches and the media will be all over it. And Trump will have to deal with her. And I think, as I've exposed in my film and book, the best way to deal with her is to expose head her on. real life story. Right, well, head on. Say, all he has to do is start tweeting and say, Michelle, are you going to apologize for what you did to the black community? Well, I How think, much money I think Donald Trump should sit down with you and come up with a, yeah. a, a, a commercial because you have all the footage for it already. And the other well, look, thing, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you be, look, the black community is very, very sensitive to sellouts. Anyone who is a sellout. And Michelle sold out the black community for millions of dollars. She kicked them out of the emergency room. She kicked them out of their homes to make a ton of money for herself. Yeah. So if Trump simply says, Michelle, are you going to pay back the money you made exploiting the black community? Are you going to apologize to them for kicking them out of their homes? That would open a whole can of worms. I agree. Uh, I know, agree. So That's why Michelle's your movie gonna, is so important. Yeah. And you were at the Reawaken tour. And uh, I hope you're going to be joining again. We have some upcoming. I don't think they're fully planned yet. But um, it's really important that uh, Donald Trump sees your <laughs> sees your. I'm sure he already did, but well, he should well, he should I, take it apart your movie and make well, it into commercials. Look, I actually proposed to show it at Mar-a-Lago, but I was told that uh, Donald Trump wants Biden. Uh, he thinks that's the easiest path to victory, and he's probably right. But even Trump came out a few weeks ago and he, didn't, he said he didn't think Biden would make it to the to the finish line, and I think he's right. I agree. And uh, your work is extraordinary. And, you know, it's crazy because we you know, and I spent eight, 20 years in Hollywood, but you've been there for many more and done huge projects. And I, I noticed that uh, Katzenberg, um, Geffen and Spielberg had a like $500,000 <laughs> table event for Joe Biden just a few weeks ago. So it's going to be a real wag the dog situation. So we really need your you on our side more than ever. We need real filmmakers and real creators and and, and uh, people that get it to uh, fight the battle on our side. And you're certainly doing that. And I think Michelle 2024 is one of those projects. Uh, tell my audience how to follow you, where to find you. And please, everyone, if you have not seen Michelle 2024, it is very important that you see it and share it. I fully believe she will be the nominee. It's both a film and a book. So you can watch the film, live stream it, or get the DVD both on SalemNow.com and Amazon Amazon Prime Video. You can stream it. And the book version is also on Amazon. Yeah. And uh, it'll kind of change your life. You'll see a whole different life history of Michelle Obama. You'll see Michelle as a, uh, a political radical and her associations with radical leftists and how she uh, you know, conducted herself. Her whole life was exploiting the Black community and then later manipulating them during the Obama campaign to try to convince them that Barack was one of them because black people didn't think Barack was black back in 2008. They weren't supporting him. Uh, he's from Hawaii, from a, grew up in a white family. They didn't think he was black. And it took a lot of work for Michelle to convince them that, you know, they were one of them. And Michelle used a lot of manipulation. She manip exploited the black community her whole life, and then she manipulated them to get political power. And I think she's up to that right now. So definitely Go to also michelleobama24.com. You can see the trailer and link up to these sites to check out the, the film and the book. Yeah, and a good idea if you have groups out there maybe is to have the Michelle Obama book as a, as a topic yeah. of conversation. Uh, we really need to get really, it's going to be hard to break the myth that she's created, but uh, Joel Gilbert gave us a map. So uh, please do that. And uh, 
And uh, I can't wait to see you next time. We didn't even get to talk about Michelle and Barack's film. But let me tell you something. They're not done with us. So uh, we'll talk again. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate your work. It's amazing. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. They could run Michelle Obama. And if they do... Welcome, Michelle Obama! Michelle Obama is the most popular woman in America. You know I hate politics. You can forget about the disclaimer. I'm convinced that Michelle Obama is running for president in 2024. Systemic racism, pepper spray, and rubber bullets on peaceful protesters. She's following the exact same formula that Barack did to become president. Michelle was the keynote speaker at the 2020 Democrat convention, just like Barack was in 2004. Barack once ran a voter registration organization. Now, so does Michelle. That's how we change America. Also, Barack Obama based his candidacy on his personal story. Michelle has done the exact same thing. But like Barack, Michelle tells a life story that is more fiction than fact. Maybe somebody's gonna discover that I shouldn't be here. Now, come along on an investigation into the real Michelle Obama and her plan for power. I found out Michelle's father worked for the Democrat Party machine. My father, he was a precinct captain in Chicago. People would come for money. It turns out Michelle was never a part of the black community. In that household, there was fear. You talk like a white girl. You could get your butt kicked if you talk like a white girl. What was going on in the 70s was what we called white flight. The only person doing white flight in the 1970s was Michelle Robinson. You're told by a school counselor you're not Princeton material. You're black, maybe you're stretching. Michelle was no victim of racism. In fact, Michelle has been running from the black community her whole life. Hyde Park is the best neighborhood. And Michelle sold out the black community working for the mayor of Chicago. This is turning into a ghetto. You better run. They just take our home like this shit. And she sold them out as a hospital executive, kicking poor black patients out of the ER. Yeah, I like that. I learned that to get power, Michelle pretends to be part of the black community she exploited all her life. Lo and behold, trying to pay your own rent. Imposter syndrome. All out war between the pigs and us. And it turns out, Michelle's close friend and mentor was an anti-American radical. The politics of fear. Because of fear. Your fear. They want you to be afraid of change. We're working to change the future of this nation. We need you. Are you in? Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And to transform America, Michelle plans to rule America come Election Day 2024. I know you love her as much as I love her. I can't get enough of Dr. Stella. She's one of my greatest friends. And I have to tell you, she is a maverick. She has done so much for this country. She was the original frontline doctors out there. We all saw her down there in DC telling us that the COVID story was not what we were getting, that she believed that ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, quercetin was the way to go. She also created a whole line of COVID preparedness products, including Covilite, which is my favorite. I take it every 
every day. But what Stella's also done, and it's really important because we keep hearing about supply chain issues and that there's antibiotic shortages and all of that. Well, Stella, again, tops herself. She has a preparedness pack that has everything you could possibly need in it. It has antibiotics, it has Z-Pack, it has stuff for even urinary tract infection, it has zinc, it has all kinds of things, including anything that could come your way, honestly. She has prepared ahead of time. She also has an amazing, amazing telehealth program that really is the best you can get out there. And you know what? She has partnerships with private pharmacies all over this country. You should stock up now on a hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, get the preparedness pack with the antibiotics. All of the COVID products are great. Covilite is a great daily choice also because it has all kinds of stuff for your immune system, but also it has everything you could need vitamin wise in that too. I highly recommend it. Dr. Stella Emanuel is an amazing, amazing woman. She has gone out of her way to make sure that you are prepared, that you are never left behind, that you have your health and your wellness taken care of, please go to themelkshow.com, go down to Dr. Stella MD, click on that, use the code MELK, you'll get a discount over there from Stella, but I'm telling you right now, there is no woman right now that is working harder to maintain our health, our integrity, our liberty, and our futures. Thank you so much, Dr. Stella supports me, and that means she supports this show, she supports free speech, and she supports God winning in the end always. Thank you. The narrative is falling apart, but as it does, there's so much of this fraudulent disinformation, misinformation, censorship coming from the globalists. And what we need to do is be focused on the facts, cut through everything, be discerning, and get it first and foremost out there to everyone. It is important that you know what is going on. Censorship is getting nuts. You guys know it. There's accounts all over the place that are fake, that are not me. I know you guys send me emails and I really appreciate it. And you report it and it's on Telegram and Instagram and Twitter and they're not me. So I'm super excited to announce We The People with Mel K. Be the first to join. It's a VIP community, just you and me behind a paywall, no trolls, no nothing. We get to know each other. I will give you the facts first. I break a lot of stories a long time before other people. We can talk about past, present, future, history, what we're doing now, solutions for going forward, what 2024 is gonna look like. I'm gonna do breaking news, do a lot of deep dives. I'm gonna bring that information to you guys first in a live Q&A every week. So please click the link below and join me over there. We are going to create a community, a community that is censorship proof, it's cancel proof, it's truth, it's transparency, it's on the road to God, country, justice, everything that we want in one place. This is the most incredible, amazing time to be alive. As hard as it seems and as difficult as the battle has been for you guys and definitely for me, all I know is that we all are part of the solution. We are all involved and invested and you guys have the passion that I have. So let's join together on live Q and A's once a week with me, Mel Kay, we, the people of the United States, taking back this nation. This is so exciting, guys. I've been dying to do this, and we finally got the technology right. So please join me. Click the link below. Can't wait to get started.